like, are you live? What's up? <laughs> well, we are live. How are you? I'm good, you know? How are you doing? It's going good. It's going good. It's, you know, I'm, I missed you, <laughs> like, you know, from well, last Tuesday, you know, that was the last time I saw you. And now here we are. So here we are. You brighten here up my we week. <laughs> Another week. Another day. All right. The dollar. You ready for today? Because we got a lot to get into within X amount of time. <laughs> 30, possibly 45. We're going to see how it goes. This this yeah. is one of those ones where we're just going to see exactly how it goes. So without further ado, I'm Mark Monroe. And I'm Jillian GC in the place to be. And this is Executive Education. Go ahead and cue that intro. Welcome to the Come Up series. For those of you that are new, I am the co-host Mark Monroe, and I am accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, co-creator, and all things galactic. Give it up for none other than the wonderful. It's Jill and GC in the place to be. What does it, cousins, on this fine Tuesday? What's good with y'all? Oh man, it's feeling great. It's feeling great. And you know, we just we we got a lot to get into, so I just definitely want to get the the good stuff, you know, out there first. Like for for example, shout outs to cousin Charmaine who was definitely first in the chat, had their notification bell turned on, like whoop-de-whoop. Hey, I saw the notification. Okay. Click. So if you want to be like Cousin Charmaine, where she says, hi, cousins, and we say, what's good with you? Hello. And if you want to be the no, so that way we can shout you out for the next episode, go ahead and hit that notification bell. And if you haven't subscribed yet, um, there's a button down below. Just, just hit that button. And if you like today's episode, if you're feeling the flavor and everything else, go ahead and hit that like button. But you know what? You don't have to do it yet. But before the show is over, just get it done. All right. So, uh, Jolynn, we've got something to get into. We got a lot to discuss. And one of the subjects that we're going to talk about, which is it's these next two episodes are going to be like kind of like an intro for each and every single one of you. Some of the subjects that you may know about, you may have heard about it and everything else. And then some of them you may not know. And then we're going to go a little bit deeper. And the reason why we're doing that is because we've had the opportunity to sit back and watch, you know, other things around us. And they kind of like talk about the same thing over and over. And we don't, you know, that's not us here at the Come Up Series. We want to take you, each and every single one of you, whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced, we want to take you to a whole nother level as it pertains to not only just your conscious, but your education. So that way you can execute. That is the purpose every single day that you come to our show. You can take what you learn here and put it out there into the open space called the market, uh, whether it's the job market, whether it's the stock market or whatever it may be in between. Uh, we want you to definitely take these tools. And that's the purpose here of executive education. So I won't tell you the overall theme, but we're going to see if y'all get it. Like, you know, by next Tuesday, you should kind of have a clear understanding of where we're headed as it pertains to this next frontier for each and every single one of you. And how is it that you should look at your portfolios? How is it that you should look at companies and everything else? I said too much. Anyways, <laughs> so today's subject is all about 
consumer engineering. Good old consumer engineering people. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to literally launch a simple presentation for y'all. And, you know, we're going to make it kind of like free flowing for everybody, but hopefully everybody can see it. Can you see it, Jolyn? Yes. Awesome. So we're going to talk about obsolescence, (laughs) otherwise known as obsolete (laughs) for those out there. That are just like okay, hey Mark, let's let's tone down the bougie. But do you like my uh, clothing brand? I feel like this is pretty dope. Established in 1930. Yeah, I feel like it's not going to last that long, though. You know, it, I mean, it, it happens to the greatest. You know, it's, it, <laughs> you know, it's like it's sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes all great, sometimes great things come to their end. But you know, it's it's all good. It's all good. So, um, you know, this one kind of like mirrors very near and dear to my heart because of the fact that I, I see this happen a lot. And then on top of that, when sometimes I think about also um, whether it's startups or and how they think about their business models or when mm-hmm. I think about like publicly traded companies and how we look at like a lot of times we get so caught up into thinking about their business models. And then on top of that, we look at, say, for example, um, the economics that surround it. But we never really marry the two in between and nobody ever really talks about the consumer. Right. Like, for example, I guess the, the first question to, to to break it down to everybody is, OK, if we're looking at, you know, today's market right now, think back to when you were a kid. Now, if you are a kid, then, you know, just enjoy yourself. <laughs> but think back to when you were a kid. Now, think about the one thing. And if you want to go ahead and type it in the chat. I want you to type the one thing that you used to always go to the store and buy. Oh, that's like easy. if it was if it was a snack or something like that. Mm-hmm. What was yours, Jolene? Now, later. Okay. See, mine, yeah. see, I, I definitely had a sweet tooth. <laughs> I definitely had a sweet tooth. It was definitely, of course, everybody knows. You know me. You know it's ice cream. Me and ice cream just have that relationship. It's unbreakable. And then on top of that, it was honey buns. I love oh, really? honey buns. You know what? Don't judge me. I didn't judge I'm you. Not judging. I'm not judging you. <laughs> but- As you can see, it's a very triggering subject. No, but you know what else I liked? Uh, garbage pill kids. Like the card. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. So all the penny candy, like, you know, lemon heads, Johnny Appleseed, all of those candies. Okay. But- so we got some, we got some cousins in here talking about, uh, we got some little Debbie strawberry shortcakes. Those, okay. those were fire. Of course we got Mike and Ike's. Okay. Uh, somebody said sugar babies. I think that's what? uncle Charles. Sugar babies. Is this all candy? And then we had shoes. Okay. Uh, and of course, like somebody like, I don't like, you know, we got, of course, a Snickers bar, you know, classic. And then sunflower seeds. Okay. Okay. I do remember those. <laughs> oh, ginger. Ginger. The dry ginger and the lemon. Yes. Or the... Herbals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you already knew. All right. So these are all the things in which that we grew up on, right? Mm-hmm. Now, just imagine their price of what it costs for, say, for example, for you to go to the store and buy those types of things, right? And, you know, somebody, of course, we have to post this. Uh, when Coca-Cola was the real Coke that would burn your chest. That's a fact. That was the that was the kind that they would take the rust off of engines. But I think that was also the one where they actually had Coke in it. But, you know, I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, so let's think about those things. Now, have you, like, how many of you today, you could just write, you know, just show of hands or, you know, write a, put a one in the chat. How many of you have actually gone back to the store as an adult, like years or decades, whatever you want to call it later, 
mm-hmm. and you tried your childhood, you know, food that <laughs> you once ate. Now I have, I've got to see the, the lineage of ice cream since I have lived through that whole process. <laughs> and then I went back to go try a honey bun. Hey, what was that experience like? Was it a mouthful of chemicals? What was it? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was terrible. Um, it was, oh my gosh, it clearly not the same. So we kind of ask ourselves back in those days, because it's like, you know, how did they make those ingredients back then? So back then they were actually using certain types of products. And then today it's like the products or the flavor has changed. So why has that changed? So I want to kind of like go back to our presentation real quick, just to give you an heads up, give you an idea of like, what is it that we see, um, over here at the come up series? So one of the things that we looked at was, you know, clearly this is the model of how something works within production. So it's, it's a, well, how is it supposed to work, right? So in production, you typically have manufacturing, functionality, and appearance. Now, here's the thing. A lot of folks are like, wait, Mark, appearance takes up 33.3%. That is correct. So in this, they're all balanced. So in a, in a perfect world, they are all balanced as it pertains to manufacturing, functionality, and appearance. Um, if you like, I don't know for our, for our female shoppers, if you take, say, for example, you know, underclothing that you had to buy, let's say 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it's completely different than the ones that you have to buy today. Like, like notice the, the reoccurrence of products that you have to consistently go back and buy of the same thing. Whereas back, like if you go back in time, you had a few things that would like literally last. Now the clothing doesn't last. So, but this is it. So go ahead. I was going to say also the design has changed. So we talk about that 33.3% for appearance. Um, Undergarments in the women's Mm -hmm. department have changed from way back in the day to even a few years ago, because now if you look, it's like there's a a revisiting and a rethinking Mm -hmm. and a redesigning of what's quality, you know? We're going to get into that. We're going to define like what is quality. So trust and believe, bear with us. So, all right. So this is how it's supposed to work. But then they ask this question. When Have you ever noticed watching Shark Tank where they ask you for a pro, when they're asking an, uh, an entrepreneur, when they're talking about a product that they're selling, and then they're going to ask you what's the cost to make the product. Mm-hmm. And then they, the entrepreneur already starts off at this cost. And they're like, well, we, you need to get it down to this lower cost. Well, how did they do that? Well, here's how it's done. <laughs> If you look at it, is it easy to make? So notice manufacturing takes up 50%, right? So which is the, it's manufacturability. Is it able to be massive, massively produced? But then if you're increasing manufacturability, then certain things start to take a hit. Now notice we were at 33.33% across the board and all things equal. But now we see something in the sense of functionality starts to come down drastically in appearance It maintains its appearance, but yet at the same token, hmm, there's a problem there. So if you think about it, go ahead. If we're looking at this and the question is, is it easy to make? Are you saying that manufacturing, um, are you saying that 50% is basically saying, yes, we increase the ability for it to be easier to make? So if you think about it like this. Have you guys ever gone on Amazon and yes. literally you search for a specific product and then you see an array of products that all look the same? Mm-hmm. So like, for example, it's kind of hard to differentiate between a product that you're looking for. And then you see down the search that there's a bunch of other products that look exactly like it, whether mm-hmm. it's clothing or whether it's an, an electronic device. You see it a lot in Alibaba or AliExpress. 
you see a lot of that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the part where we look at manufacturability. Is it able to be massively manufactured or is it able to be massively produced at such a large scale? But at the same token, is it able to, are we able to bring the cost down as, as well? So when you think about manufacturability, when we look at that, when we looked at that chart, so looking at this chart, it's a lot of things that go into it. Like, for example, the manpower or the, the human capital that is ultimately spent in order to create such a product. And then on top of that, to essentially get it from not only from the from the manufacturing plant to, say, for example, the um, to the stores and everything else for it to essentially get direct to consumer or whether it's B2C or however, however, the business model is, it's just mass production. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the interesting part here. And th but the thing is, is like you want to know what it looks like, though, today, Jolyn. Now, this is the part where it's going to shake yeah. a lot of folks. But hey, don't don't shoot the messenger. This is what it looks like today. So manufacturing has significantly increased, but look at what happens. Appearance is okay, but yet at the same token, look at what happened as it pertains to functionality. So we start to go down in limited functionality, but then at the same token, we keep appearances up. So if you think about a lot of the products in which that you buy or a lot of the clothing that you buy and you say, okay, hey, it looks, if you compare product to product, they looked almost identical, but yet at the same time that they look identical, but do they function exactly the same? So wow. what kind of corners do they cut? What do they cut? So when we think about like, for example, when, when we started off with the snacks that we all grew up on, right? Mm -hmm. What did they cut in order to, what did they cut in order to make things more, to make them more mass produced? And when we think about mass produced for each and every single one of you investors, let me put it to you in your language, profit margins. So yeah. you're, what you're doing is when you when you are able to cut down on costs, even if you change the ingredients of something, then that makes it cheaper to produce. And because of the fact that you made it cheaper to massively produce, then that should increase the profit margins. So the expense of something should come down, but yet at the same token, the the profit in which that you collect. So for example, you remember how I was talking about those honey buns that I ate that were like completely like trash <laughs> that yeah. I would never pick up again? <laughs> yes. Okay, so what was the ingredient that changed? What do you what ingredient do you think that changed when they went from pure sugar to what? High fructose corn syrup or some other exactly thing. some type of synthetic. So high fructose corn syrup was the thing. And if you think about the cost to as it pertains to high fructose corn syrup versus mm -hmm. going with like actual sugar, like mm -hmm. like cane sugar, then you notice that cane sugar is more expensive than, say, for example, creating something that's chemically induced, which is ultimately high fructose corn syrup. And when you're able to sell it at the same price, which we're going to get into for a few other things in a second, which is probably going to bake a lot of folks noodle, um, then that's going to be the part where you start to think about, oh, wow. So they went from like literally maybe a 30% profit margin to now a 60% profit margin. How did they do that? And they probably made it smaller, too. They did. So like I said, that comes all a part of that manufacturing process. And it's like, and they start making those incremental changes like mm -hmm. over time. So it's like, they don't just go from a large, you know, product to then, okay, the very next day we just shrink the product. No, that happens over time where they start to decrease it. So it's like, so, it's getting smaller and smaller over time. The ingredients cost it. So poorer and it's increasing in price. Yep. Ooh. All right. So Let's let's get back to this presentation because there's something that I like. I said it, it's it's time, but it's 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 time that we all let the truth have its day, and I'm actually going to let it sit up on the screen for a second. Now, here is a main challenge for everybody. Well, These are two iPhones. Mm -hmm. These are two iPhones. 
One is a new one, the newest, the newest edition. So one is the iPhone 14 Pro, and the other one is the iPhone 13 Pro. Can you tell the difference? No, except for one is a cream color, <laughs> one is a, a sky powder blue. Well, if, 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 you, if you guys can, follow along with us. If you're in the chat, which one is the iPhone 14 Pro Max or uh, iPhone 14 Pro, and which one's the 13 Pro, well, right or left? Someone said no logo, but there is a logo you just can't there see. There is a logo. It's just it's just very subtle. Yeah. So are they saying, so Brandon- just, I think it's probably just because of the lighting of, of how it was staged. So is the one to the left- the iPhone 14 Pro, or is it the one to the right? Or is it the blue, or is it the yellow? Someone's saying, I'm seeing blue. Okay. We're seeing a lot of folks that are saying the right. Well, I see some <laughs> left in there, too. <laughs> then it's like, is it your left, or? I mean, whatever you see on the screen, so. Say the color. Don't say left or right. Say the color. I'm seeing blue, <laughs> yellow. I'm seeing blue. I'm. It's looking like it's the same across the board, honestly. Okay. So a lot of folks were saying blue, mm -hmm. but you know, so here's an iPhone 14 Pro Max. Now you can't really see it fully, but you know, there it is. So you this. can see the differentiation as a, okay, yeah, there you go. So you can see it exactly like how it kind of looks as it pertains to the camera. So mm -hmm. the one that actually has the thinner bezel within the lenses is actually the iPhone 14 Pro, uh, which happened to be the one on the left. The one on the Where? left, the yellow, was the actual iPhone 14 Pro. The cream colored one? It was actually, yeah, it was actually silver, but it just based upon how they lit the item. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah. whether it's yellow or white, however you want to, mm -hmm. whatever colors that you're seeing, they, I know that we're going to get into that whole illusion thing where somebody posted and it's like, what color is this? <laughs> so it goes to show you that they pretty much look pretty much identical. Like you can't really tell the two but here's an interesting thing when we talk about consumer engineering because it's not only just about bad quality products it's more than that it's the idea of helping it's the idea of letting folks or ushering them to like literally train your mind subconsciously so that way you understand like okay hey that this is obsolete so like for example for gamers like okay. they're ushered they're like they're herded to buy like if you game on ps4 then they probably like herded your mind so that way you bought the ps5 and you'll probably go ahead and buy the PS6. Why? Because companies do a very good job of making products obsolete. How do they do it? Now, once upon a time, iPhone did that. And the reason why they did it was because of the fact that they were making large incremental changes from iPhone, the first iPhone, all the way up to, let's say, iPhone, uh, iPhone 2 was different than iPhone 1. And it's like it kept going. Like when you look at the iPhone 3GS and the iPhone 4, drastic difference and then when we started getting into a whole new stratosphere as it pertains to majority screen again huge step difference now here we are we're like okay hey between the iphone 12 and the iphone 14 it's like <laughs> it's like can well, I... not the camera that good old now, camera <laughs> now, here's the interesting part here you, you ready for this interesting part though yeah so think about it like this and this is honestly how like we engineer business models also like this is how like you're starting to see like certain business models are starting to be engineered uh amongst people so that way it's like okay hey you know wow did i really make that decision or did somebody make that decision or did they kind of like classically yeah. conditional classical condition training of me to to like want this product so if you think about it like this okay so iPhone or Apple releases its iOS software. Mm -hmm. Now they do a very good job of this, right? Like they don't force people to buy products. But remember back in the time when they were actually had this scandal or I wouldn't say scandal, but like this whole issue 
about the battery, where it's like that was actually forcing a lot of iPhone users to upgrade their products. Yeah, but Mark, how do we know? Like, okay, telling on myself completely. Um, you know the low battery, uh, the low battery mode. Yep. Someone told me that you're not supposed to charge in low battery mode because it impacts the health of the battery. But I stay charging on low battery mode. Is that true? I mean, battery, battery uh, charging technology has gotten so well that it's like, you know, people say don't charge it all the way up to 100 and everything else. And it's like, you know, I, I would just say if, if you really need to go talk to Apple and get it on record. Yeah. I, <laughs> I need answers. <laughs> all right. So but here's the interesting part that how Apple's kind of like now look at what they've done with their consumer. Yeah. So they started realizing that not every like if you notice every single Apple product over since let's say iPhone 11 or I want to say iPhone 12 and you even see it with Android products. Look at what happened with Google Pixel as well. Look at the price structure and how they stayed the same. So it went from 999 to 1099 and then like the increments are the same. And everybody thought that in a high inflation market that Apple was going to significantly change the price of its product to okay. Instead of it being $1,099, it's going to be starting at $1,199, but they didn't. So the question is, how did they do it? Remember that model that I was telling you about, the three things, manufacturability, functionality, and appearance. So how did they do it? Does anybody know? Yeah. Bueller, Bueller. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. We're just looking at the charts that we saw, those infographics, and how yep. over time the manufacturability like increased. So either they were able to scale in manufacturing. I think it's a combination. So it's a scale in manufacturing. So it yep. becomes easier to produce and it costs less to produce. Um, and then if, if we look at the appearance, the appearance pretty much looks the same, right? But there are like slight differences in like mm -hmm. the thickness. So if you mm -hmm. shave off 10% of the glass, you know, pieces that are used, you're going to save a lot of money. Um, and if you, um, you know, do the good old recycle program, you know, like when you trade <laughs> your phone, and they turn it into <laughs> then you're essentially going to be saving money as well. But what's like, even though like you're, you're essentially paying for, um, you know, a used I know, right? Like, and that's the part that we're getting to. So every new product that you see out there, mm -hmm. that that device has probably belonged to someone else. And you know what's the crazy part is? Sooner mm -hmm. or later, we're going to get to a part where every brand new phone that's being created or every brand new device that's being created, what if, say, for example, it's something that you had already owned before? Well, most So the device that you once upon a time owned has mm -hmm. now come back to you and in the form of a new device. Full circle. Well, you know, is it going to be the same price? What's I don't know. I mean, Apple's kept their iPhone at like X amount of cost for the past three years. So, I mean, it's probably I'm probably certain that some of us have probably have tasted or have probably like used the same Apple phone like product, especially when we think about screen technology and the logic boards and everything else. So that's a massive part of consumer engineering. But here's another part of consumer engineering. Right. Because like, let's look at in a recessionary environment. Okay. Right. So if we look at a recessionary environment, like, you know, like, you know, kind of like what we're into now, because consumers are getting a little bit more frugal in their spending. Well, frugal, more so conscious in their choices of like, do I have this or do I have this? <laughs> um, we're getting to this place now where it's like, okay, hey, the technology has already iterated X amount. So like, it's not like everybody's going to go out there buying an iPhone. But Apple realized this and said, okay, hey, we got to engineer a whole new process as it pertains to hurting and consumers. So what did they do? 
and think about the lineage over time. Like, like if you guys really think about like companies that literally play the long game, think about it like this. How long has iCloud been in existence? Nobody even like, here's the crazy part about it. <laughs> nobody talks about iCloud. Everybody talks about the Apple store, which is great. I mean, it's a solid mode, but nobody talks about iCloud and iCloud has been the one that's literally been the glue to everything. Let me explain. Think about all those times back in the day when people would pay 99 cents or $10 a year. And then that $10 a year became $10 a month. And then now it's like, if you want to have the, look, look at what they did, they started off with a bundle of services. So they had Apple Music, Apple News, and then iCloud. And then they merged them all together because they're like, okay, hey, people like bargains. But if you really break it down, the cost structure is still there. So well, like, you know, families that pay 33 bucks a month or 35 bucks a month for Apple mm -hmm. One, which includes all the services. Now think about how many iPhone users that are out there. Now let's say that you had 100 million iPhone users paying 35 bucks a month. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so... Okay, so what's interesting about like that Apple One, like I pay for mm -hmm. it without, I don't even think about it. It just comes out mm -hmm. of my account. I don't even think about it. And yep. I'm also not using all of the services within the bundle because the way they bundled it, it was like all the things that you would use, uh, well, that I would use personally, mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. it's a better price to just get the bundle, even if I don't use the other things, as opposed to like buying it a la carte, like you know mm -hmm. so and then when you're talking about consumer engineering that actually gets you to start thinking about like okay well i'm paying for this so i might as well check it out and then now next thing you know you're hooked on it like high fructose corn syrup <laughs> exactly so if you think about it that's three and a half billion dollars a month that apple brings in on apple one services if their user base is only 100 million iCloud users. So if you think about that, okay, so let's let's think about that. Mm -hmm. 30 three and a half billion dollars a month just free and clear cash cuz data is cheap now. Data is not expensive as it once was. Yeah, it used to be expensive. I mean, remember back in the time when people were using Dropbox and everything else and then now it's like all of a sudden Dropbox has like literally been wiped away with Google Drive, which is free. And then if you want extra if you want extra space, then essentially you pay that premium that I think it's on a yearly basis or a monthly basis. But and Apple did the same thing. So if you think about it, three and a half billion dollars, multiply that times 10. So then that's if you're on a 10 month basis, that's what is that? That's uh, 30. That's 35 billion dollars just off of Apple One services alone. <laughs> yeah, but I so mean it hasn't it hasn't eclipsed yet. It hasn't eclipsed yet. Like the hundred, you know, the you know, the 64, 84 billion dollars in iPhone or other all devices. But that's major when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. That's major. Yeah. And the fact that you have to kind of like parse it out, like you're talking about the long game, you have to parse that kind of stuff, that vision out. Like you can't just come out with the full, you know, vision because the market, like we talked about this weeks ago, the market might not be ready to receive. But as you're priming the consumer after yep. a while, it's like, boom, okay, they're ready. They're ready for to spend more. So uh, one of our wonderful cousins did the did their their research and said okay. iCloud launched in 2011. So from 2011, mm -hmm. <laughs> from 2011, and it's now 2023. And that that period of time that now produces at least three and a half billion dollars in revenue on a monthly basis. <laughs> I mean, what can you so, say? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there. I mean, yeah. I mean, what can you say? So when you and that's. Like that's on the technology side, but mm -hmm. look at like, think about like companies like Levi's, you know, and like the Levi jeans that have like, okay, hey, that are so a cult classic, you know, all right, 
are they the exact same product? Like, no. think about it like this. If you look at the consumer back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the consumer back in the day, the consumer back in the day didn't buy a ton of stuff. They didn't need to because of the fact that the quality of the stuff that they owned was already quality. So it really makes me wonder, like, even like the, when you think about the fashion novas of the world, and I feel like I'm about to like literally hurt somebody's oh, feelings. <laughs> so when you think about the fashion novas of the world mm -hmm. or, you know, all these, you know, micro uh, fashion brands. Mm -hmm. Fast you, fashion. Yeah, fast fashion, fast fashion. Now here's the interesting, here, here's the part. If you look at the lowest quality products from back in the day, those lowest quality products back in the day are would be considered high quality to today's products. Mm-hmm. Which is wild, but also Mark, what drives that that fast fashion too? If we're talking about like you know technology and everything, um, we're also there's a demand for our visibility. So mm -hmm. if there's a demand for your visibility, you are more likely to spend money on fast fashion because you yep. are presenting yourself. But if no one's looking at you, like even the pandemic. People weren't buying, you know, clothes because they're not going anywhere. No one's really seeing you and no one cared if you, you know, had like the same, you know, top. And this is funny, Mark, because remember when we first started, right, yep. way back in 2020, <laughs> to say that sounds wild. Like if you go back and look at old videos, like I legit bought like a whole row of different types of white shirts. Mm. And I only wore white shirts like in the very, very beginning because, you know, yep. like, you know, look crisp, whatever. Uh, and I didn't want to think about, oh, what am I going to wear? Because, you know, I didn't know what's happening with the world. The world to me was ending. So I was like, I'm not going to be thinking about, oh, what am I going to wear? Da, da, da. But now that we're like moving out. Wait, you're not going to pick an outfit for the world is coming to an end party? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> One of those white shirts. <laughs> but, you know, now it's, it's just interesting how. Um, different uh, world events can also shape the consumer engineering front, like in what yep. we're going to be consuming and, you know, how we're going to consume it and like what that consumption looks like. And I'm glad that we're talking about the quality because the quality, you're talking about those Levi's. I mean, if you touch some Levi's back in the day, the, <laughs> they were thick. That was they some thick, thick denim. You didn't, even need it. you didn't even need to use a stay flow starch. It was <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, Mark, they have, you know, convinced us that we need stretch in our jeans, like especially Americans and this, this, you know, the standard American diet. You, if you're on the standard American diet and you're eating honey buns and consuming high fructose corn syrup and whatnot, you definitely will need that stretch, that spandex cotton blend in your in your denim. You're going to need it unless you want to buy more and more jeans. And then okay, so wait, Mark, right, right. then when you think about the quality, like if you're a thick girl, you know, thick thighs save lives. Hello. Uh, and you buy the jeans of today, there's going to be that inner thigh rubbish. OK, and you're going to wear material. <laughs> So, but back in the day, Mark, those Levi's, they were sturdy. They were really sturdy. <laughs> They're not sturdy no more. Okay. All right. All right. Well, okay. That's, that, that's very true. But I mean, it goes beyond just products though, Jolene. Yeah. You know, look at the, look at the information that's out there. Like think about how many folks are accepting bad information on places like TikTok. Like consumer engineering is not only just like, for example, the products that we buy, it's also say, for example, the information in which that we gather. Mm -hmm. So it's whatever, you, whatever it is that you're consuming, you know, it's like, that's, it's like, what is it that your appetite is for the information that you receive? So, you know, for the folks out there, it's like, you know, you gotta be very careful and look at the quality of the information in which that you're receiving, because if not, then essentially it's like, okay, hey, you're gonna be coming like, 
I tend to find my hope, and I hope that this is this is real. And this is the reason why it's like it is my hope that people outgrow, you know, each season of the come up series. Okay. Like I want it to be where it's like literally you don't need us anymore. If if we get to a place where you don't need us anymore for the information and knowledge and education, mm-hmm. then we have successfully done our job. Job well done. You know, we'll still find cool stuff to talk about and it'll be more like, hey, I was thinking about that too, or that's pretty cool. But it's like when the information is so good, then mm-hmm. essentially it's like you don't have to keep going back to the well to tap it because essentially it's like, okay, hey, you've picked up this water and essentially you brought it into your garden and now you have the garden yourself versus going to go to the farmer's market and everything else. You create your own garden. And so, you know, that's the part where we look at it and it's like, we got to think about it in the sense of like consumer, like how we, how things are engineered on a consumer basis. It's not always about how things are constructed or how they're built. It's also in the sense of how is it that our minds are being programmed to think that we have to consistently consume or purchase or buy or whatever it is in order to gain some type of, you know, whether it's fulfillment or, or, you know, whatever it is, happiness, you know, those things are, I I look at those things as definitely as a construct. So I wrote a posting or I, I didn't write it, but you know, somebody else wrote it. So I I can't take the credit for it, but I posted something on my Instagram Mm -hmm. and it said pretty much wealth is quiet, rich is loud and poor is flashy. Let's let's talk about it real quick. Cause I got a lot of DMS about this. Yes. All right. And I may have to turn, I may have to cut this up and turn it into a short. (laughs) All right. You said wealth, wealth, wealth is quiet, rich is loud and uh, poor is flashy. So mm-hmm. I was thinking about this because I was having conversation. And one of the things that I tend to know is that, you know, I, I, I sat back and asked myself, why is it that, you know, when we look at like, you know, the the folks that we revere in this world, right? The, the mm-hmm. guys in whom we should have become billionaires or even the women that have become billionaires. Have you ever noticed how quiet they are in like in the real world? Have you ever noticed how quiet they are? Like as it pertains to like, they're not like they, they don't show off. And in reality wise, they focus very heavily on building the next thing versus essentially trying to impress everybody else around them. Yeah. Have you I noticed mean, that? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is you can walk into any Starbucks in Seattle, for example, yep. and yep. there will be 80 billion people. And the majority of the people in there will be multimillionaires. But they look like bums, like they just do. Yes. <laughs> Compared yes. to someone who you know who's walking in there, not that you're going to get dressed for. for they're a they're not a walking billboard for right. Balenciaga or Supreme or whatever all this other stuff is. They're not walking billboards. I mean, if you look at the clothing in which that Satya Nadella wears, or even Tim Cook, if you notice that, have you ever noticed like when you see them on stage, mm-hmm. they wear the same thing every single year. Like they may get a new, like you know, maybe not exactly the same thing, but you know, renditions of the same thing. You know, kind of like, you know, it's not like they're being like Steve Jobs where he just wore a turtleneck, you know, some jeans and some new balances. But mm-hmm. it's just this focus of like, you know, you don't see them, you know, you know, showing off their house and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't need to do that. And it's like we get and the reason why you see a lot of that t- transpire and happen, like, for example, cars, a car is just a car. You know, as long as it gets me from A to Z, you know, without me having to pay significant maintenance costs and whatever else. That's a that's a good idea. The best idea that I thought about that was Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos in 1996 was driving around Seattle, a billionaire in a Honda Accord. And 
he was so offended when he was being interviewed by the guy. He was like, okay, you're a billionaire, but you drive around in this car. And Jeff Bezos looked at him like, yo, like you're insulting my car. He was like, this is a good car. <laughs> it gets me to where I need it's to go. quality from 1995 or whatever. Right. I mean, there's a reason why people like to break into Hondas, apparently. Um, and so pass, though. that's what they say. They do. And so like, it was interesting because when you take that type of mindset, it's like very quiet, like very quiet. Footmark. Now, when we look at, but when we look at rich, like, right. Mm -hmm. Cause that's the one that everybody like, you know, really that's the one where it's probably like the, the loudest, which it is. You know, the one thing I've always learned is the loudest person in the room is the smallest person in the room. And so when you, it's like, I understand the reason why it transpired when it transpires. You successfully accomplished something. And it's like, you want to share that. You want to like shout it out to the rooftops and everything else. There's nothing wrong with that. But we sometimes like fall into this mindset. We as a culture, we find we fall into this mindset that we picture, we we depict success based upon the type of coat, the clothes that a person wears, the cars that they drive, the people who, whom wish that they like, you know, like, hey, I'm at this concert or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That doesn't define richness. Like, you know, really understand when like people who are rich and wealthy, they're focused on one thing, the legacy that literally follows after them. What is it that they continue to keep building? Like for them, it's more so all about posterity. Like, okay, hey, like, what is it that might, like, I've now turned my name into an asset. Now, how is it that I can turn it into a super asset? Okay, I think that that is all fine and dandy. But yes. you brought up culture. And yes. to me, there there's a, well, one, context is important. and a Context saves lives. <laughs> yeah, the cultural context is also important. Like, I don't feel like the wealth is quiet, rich is loud, you know, what was okay. poor is flashy. Oh, oh, poor is flashy. Yeah, like, I personally, like, from a cultural lens, I just feel like, I feel like, me personally, like, am exempt. <laughs> because I'm going to put it on. Okay, like at any stage, even before money, all that, like I'm going to- Every day is a stunt campaign. Yeah, like I'm going to put it on. I'm going to dazzle. I'm going to razzle. I'm going to shine. And it's because, you know, me personally, like that's my creative expression. And so to me, it's like this- this conversation of wealth is quiet and rich is loud and all that, like, you know, sometimes it, it makes it it makes my ears kind of perk up. Perk up. <laughs> it's like, well, hold up now. What what are you trying to say? Because even if we think about it in, in a broader sense, like even as a culture, we tend to to be loud. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I can define it. I can I can get it more specific. Yeah, yeah get more. I specific. guess what I'm trying to I'll I'll say that mm -hmm. the things don't define who we are. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Like that's the, that's the main premise that I want people to understand. The things do not define who you are. You know, though, like we, we spend so much time looking at all the things that a person has and we, we characterize that as success. Okay. They I can don't define, they don't, they don't define us. I can see that, <laughs> that but also Mark, those, you know, like we're thinking, of, okay, we're, if we're thinking about brands, cause you mentioned logos too. Yes, I did. The wealthy have signals to other wealthy people of those brands mm -hmm. that, you know, are not like mass produced and, mm -hmm. you know, limited quantity is out there and you got to know somebody, know somebody, know somebody to like to have access to it. And there are those wealth signals like, yeah, they're quiet, but someone else yep. who is also on that are quiet. tax bracket or whatever. They are quiet. <laughs> they're going to, oh, you know, they got the new fill in the blank, you know, yep. um, 
And I mean, the tabloids will eat it up. The tabloids will like know exactly what what the tag is and what what is like, you know, like, for example, to what we see of Satya Nadella walking up on a Microsoft stage presenting his keynote. Right. Mm -hmm. We just see it as like, OK, this man is wearing a simple T-shirt, some simple pants and some high tops that like. But if you really go like if you ever like I think there was an article about it, they were talking about like how his shoes were like three hundred dollars. His pants were like two hundred dollars. And his t-shirt was like 75. But everybody else thought that, okay, it's just, you know, he's just wearing a basic outfit. <laughs> but it's like the thing, but I think the thing is, if you ask most folks mm -hmm. that literally run in these circles, like if you, you know, ask, then essentially it was like, we say like those things don't define us. Like the things that are defining moments, like if you think about it, like, and here's the differentiation when we look at like those things. Mm -hmm. When you normally sit on the stage with those individuals, everybody in the room wants to understand like, okay, hey, how did they get there? How did they do this? How did they do that? And everything else, right? And they tell this story that in the beginning, like if you were to, like if you ever to, and I, and I sometimes talk to the folks, my partners at FTC uh, on a daily basis about this. And I'm like, people, the, the, the wealth part of it mm -hmm. is really where people get to hear the ugly story. Say more. Because the ugly story, because... In the beginning, the ugly story was the one that not a lot of folks wanted to hear. Mm. They didn't want to hear about the struggles, the challenges and everything else that was going on in the day to day. Right. Mm -hmm. But then once they made it successfully, now everybody wants to hear the ugly story and the ugly story no longer looks as ugly anymore. It now is beautiful. That's wealth. Like that's the wealth. Like mm -hmm. that's the part where it's like, OK, hey. You know, the part in which that I believe that wealth is something in which that you can literally get like you can literally pass on to someone and they can build from that. Like mm, now this is me. Yeah. So for me, like, mm -hmm. God, I, I, you know, like, Lord, just please bless me with a kid because for real, like it's on and popping. Um, the interesting thing that I look at is I'm not going to shower my kid with everything else that I couldn't have growing up. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shower my kid with everything that I wish that I knew. I'm going to shower them with what I know. And I'm also going to give them and I'm going to try to put them in position so that way they can learn the things that I wish that I knew. Yeah, that's Me, a major difference. That's wealth. That's I, and it's quiet. It's quiet because the intentions are the intentions are there are very quiet. But, you know, it's like it's it's subtle. Mm -hmm. Um it's definitely going to be life enriching indeed, but it's not gonna it's not gonna be something that's gonna be loud at first. It's gonna be something that's gonna catch on. There's no poor attached to it because of the fact is that there's no flash because of the fact that they're gonna have to go through their own journey in order to learn it and grow versus everything else. And so that's the reason why it's like for me, it's like when I think about it from a consumer engineering mindset, mm -hmm. you know, it's like that's what I want to engineer. That's well, that's the that's the type of mindset that I would like to help build. Go ahead. Well, that I, that mindset set is going to be the difference like over the long term when we're talking about how things are uh, like engineered over the long haul like that will make an impact you won't see it mm -mm. But, you know you'll know about it like you know spiritually I guess um, but the interesting thing is like with that that post that you made it's like again it goes back to what I say we, he will have the latest Tesla trick um, it goes back to like the importance of context and really yep. deep into what that what that wealth you know whispers or wealth is quiet means. It's not that the idea of wealth is quiet versus rich being you know loud. It's 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 not that necessarily. It's the it's your it's the identity piece. Like it's the yep. identity as you as you're making more and more money, right? Yep. 
I, the identity becomes detached from wealth. Mm -hmm. So now it's like wealth is something that is to be used, is to be um, shared. It's yet another tool. Or, yeah. yeah, it's just like a tool. Whereas you can still see, you know, for lack of a better, better phrase, identity politics attached to if you're rich. Because if you are, if you just got rich, then you were, you know, poor at some point or some measure of, of poor. And then it's like, once you get out of that- We, call, the, we call them new money. <laughs> okay, well, you can call it new money. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> looking at, we're looking at that scale, you know, especially in a country like- America, where we're at, you know, yeah. um, those ident the identity piece. It goes back to identity. It goes back to visibility. All those things, like as you're, you know, striving and striving, and you know, one rung at a time, you know, by the sweat of your brow, you know, on the wealth rungs and all that. As you get up there, you start yeah. to lose the your identity gets detached from the money. And those who can, those who come into wealth, go through kind of like that the ego and identity piece like shrinking where it's not about you. And then you also start to look at your ability to contribute, your contribution, your impact in the world becomes yep. you have the platform and you actually start to shift from, you know, me, me, me to we, we, we to, you know, oh, my, my legacy. Yep. But it is interesting because if you're not born into it, you know, let's say you are born into wealth and you don't know anything else then all the things that are going to be imparted to you um, will be from that identity detached perspective and space. But when you're yep. poor, that can become your identity, unfortunately. So the minute that if we look at it from this way, if we were going to en consumer uh, engineer poverty, yep, man. what does that breakdown? <laughs> what's the manufacturing look like? What's the appearance look like? What does the functionality look like? Because now there's all these other things that you have to take into consideration in order to detach. And that is why is I always talk about like decoupling, you know, dollars from labor. The minute you do that, you're on the path to your own freedom. That's your mindset being free. That's your ability to contribute being free. Like ever you get freed up yep. until we like really talk about that and make a plan for that. Cause it's all stuff you can plan for um, and really get that concept of this identity piece. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's powerful, Jolyn. Like it really, really is. And it's like, you know, I know, I know that everybody like, you know, we, we've definitely gone a little bit over, but you know, sometimes it's like the conversation goes where it goes. And, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, we're able to share this conversation with mm -hmm. each and every single person that's watching this or even, future person if you're just watching this and this wasn't live but you're watching this later on at a different time hi um but you know it's it's really really powerful because of the fact is is like when we think about the consumer engineering of how to engineer like you know how we mass engineer like you know mindset of being you know impoverished you know think about all the images in which that are flashed upon you know folks across various different cultures you know and after a while it's like you know it's it's at first, they don't believe it, but it's like, it's kind of like, you know, keep saying it long enough, keep keep showing the images long enough, then it becomes true. Like mm -hmm. where it's where a person starts to, you know, slowly yet surely start to believe it, you know, where it's like, okay, hey, that this is how I have to like, this is what it has to look like in order to be successful, or this is what it has to look like to be successful. I literally have to, you know, you know, I literally like, remember this, everybody, if you don't remember anything else that we talk about, if you hear nothing else that we talk about at all, 
remember this. Gener generational wealth is not only just about dollars. Generational wealth is going to be knowledge in which that is passed on, in which that you may not be able to use it, but you've, you've obtained it. And then essentially you were able to pass that on and however it was that you were able to pass it on for the next person to break through a barrier. Like that, like I look at, and, and I'll give you an example. And by the way, you know, my grandfather, I'm, I'm probably sure that he's watching, you know, and he is coming live this year. So the book is Yay. complete. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just afraid what's in it as it pertains to the ending of the book. We'll just have to find out. Because I haven't, I haven't had the, you know, he hasn't given it to me to read yet. Okay. Um, but I can assure that, you know, my grandfather was blessed with X amount of knowledge and X amount of wisdom and X amount of, you know, opportunities that he had to make a decision of whether or not he was going to take advantage of. That right there at that, at that purpose in time in his life and in those days, that was wealth, you know. Family may not have had a lot of money, but what he took with, with what was given to him, he it was passed on to him. And then essentially he became all those wonderful things. And then he was able to pass that on to some knuckleheaded grandson who came across later on that caused a lot of mischief. Um, <laughs> and then look at the, look at what that created, mm -hmm. you know? And again, it's like, you know, for me, it's like, okay, hey, passing on, again, what I wish I would have known or I wish I would have had. And then on top of that, like, not only just that I wish I would have had back in the day when I got started, but also what is it that I'm learning now? Like, what's happening in these boardrooms that I sit in? What's happening when I sit behind closed doors and discuss? Now, of course, I won't be able to, like, talk about the names just yet. But again, it's like I'm able to give the pieces to each and every single one of you. And it's like, OK, hey, this is this this is the, this is how things are constructed. This is how they're engineered. And it's what you will do with that information, what you will do with that knowledge. I mean, you may go and build the Sistine Chapel of, you know, software, you know, mm -hmm. that essentially that the world will, you know, sit in awe and magnify, you know, or utilize. And it may possibly be acquired. You know, you never know. It is our goal that that right there is like, okay, hey, that's generational wealth. That that part of the, that is the wealth part. It didn't have to be flashy. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be super duper loud. And it just came in the and the message, like you know, it may not fall upon many ears because it may seem as quiet. But yet at the same token, the wealth was there, in which I, we're here to enrich each and every single one of your lives. So bringing it back, so. A lot of the theme, yeah. a lot of this has been, you know, full circle things. So just like that iPhone 14, we're going to bring it back. Yes, we can bring um, it back. <laughs> so if we were to um, like sum everything up as yep. far as, you know, quality versus price yep. in this context. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to quality versus price, you know, a lot of things in life are going to come at a cost. You know, that's the price that you, that's the price we pay for greatness. But the things in which that you're going to spend, whether it's your time, your money or whatever it is, you know, examine the quality, whether it's the quality of the information in which that you receive, whether it's the quality of the product in which that you see or the quality of the services. You know, again, each and every single one of them are engineered because on the backside, they're engineered with a specific purpose in order for that specific party, whether it's Apple or whether it's, you know, somebody selling whatever it is. You know, it's engineered for their success in order for, you know, them to grow and make something successful. But you can do the same thing. You can reverse engineer that. And essentially by reverse engineering it, you become more you're already conscious. Now, if you've been watching today's episode, that's the first thing. 
The second thing, you understand how the structure works. So now that now when it comes to reorganize, reorganizing the structure, look towards how does it benefit you, not just today, but also for the long run. Like mm-hmm. if you get that, if you get that opportunity, look at the things that are around you and look at the quality of what you look at the, the price of which that you paid and ask yourself one specific question. Did I get the best quality for what I pay for? Whether it's, like I said, whether it's your time, your energy, or your dollars. Did you get the best price of what you paid for? And that definitely translates to investing. <laughs> Did you get the <laughs> best price in that share? <laughs> Indeed. And I know that people are like, you know, they wanted to talk about NVIDIA. Um, All right, well, But, you know, they, they report earnings tomorrow. Essentially, mm-hmm. like the word, the name of the game, the buzzword for 2023 is definitely AI, mm-hmm. generative AI. You know, NVIDIA is definitely on the forefront. I mean, don't get too you know excited as it pertains to their numbers, because a lot of investors are going to be focused on their graphics, their enterprise cloud and, and data center, um, which we could probably see that there's some huge upsides in data center as well as enterprise cloud. I definitely see that there's some upside there, but PC market is still a little weak. Um, but I think that honestly, that those are going to be the areas where they possibly shine bright. I don't know specifically what the numbers would be, but if I had to be guessing, I would probably say that, you know, EPS, they would probably beat on EPS. And then as it pertains to revenue, I think that it'll either come in line, possibly light, or we could possibly see just a beat, uh, just beat on the top and the bottom. I think that their guidance is going to definitely come in very much so strong. Um, so again, you know, feel free to come back and be like, Hey, Mark, you got it wrong in the comments tomorrow or Hey, you know, we were spot on, but that just comes from just knowing the industry, knowing the company and understanding exactly how a company, a company like NVIDIA is consumer engineering. (laughs) All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been definitely gracious as it pertains to going a little bit above our, um, but hopefully you got the value from today's episode. Um, I'm excited for next Tuesday because if you haven't figured out what we're talking about yet, next week we'll definitely like literally sum it up as we get ready for Q3, uh, which we'll be spending a lot of time in that one because, you know, again, we're focusing on the next the next wave of investment, not just a trend, but ultimately how investments will be looked at moving forward in the future. So until next time, I'm Mark Monroe. And I'm Jillian GC in the place to be. And this has been Executive Education. Have a wonderful week, y'all. We will see y'all in the next one. Peace.